Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. God is so good, isn't he, church? He is so good. He's been near to us this morning. Thank you, worship team and Shiana, and thank you, Lord, for giving us your presence and your spirit. So thankful. My name is Pastor Chris, and we want to welcome you to Evangel Church today. If you are new to Evangel, we are so glad to have you as a part of it. We have been walking together as a church, and our vision is to see changed lives, changing lives. We believe that Jesus has the power to change your life today because he's changed our lives, and we know it firsthand. And as you took a look at that video that transitioned us into the Word today, you see someone sitting in front of their computer, and in a moment's notice, they get a text message and an invitation to come and see something. And you notice, if you watch closely, that they get up and they leave everything. They leave their phone, they leave their laptop. Come on, I said they left their phone. <laughs> are you with me today? Some of you are like, it's a miracle. <laughs> they left their phone, they left their lab, they left everything, and they went and saw it. And the question I wanted you to ask by the end of that video is, what would cause that kind of reaction in you? What would cause that kind of reaction if someone said, hey, you need to see this, you need to experience this, that you would just pick up and go? I hope your answer today is Jesus. You say, I went through Sunday school and the answer was always Jesus. Jesus again today, yes, the answer is Jesus. There are three words that are strung through the Gospels that when you see them, there's power in them. Because what comes on the other end of that invitation is normally life change. And those words are come and see. Come and see. The purpose of this series of messages, and we can bring up the lights if we, uh, if we have in the back there. Notice, I know you're, we're going to be in the Word today, so we want you to be able to read. And if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to John's Gospel, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. We awake now? The lights are back up? You with me? John, chapter 1. We're going to be walking through a series of messages leading up to Easter that are entitled, Come and See. And we're going to explore stories about people who brought other people to Jesus. And when we look at these stories, we understand the power of what Jesus can do inside of a life. And I pray, and it's my prayer, that you would remember the power of what he has done in your life. Because each of us, each of us have been changed if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and so today we're going to take a look in the word. We're going to see and understand this a bit more. But as you're turning there, let me pray. Lord Jesus, would you come? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you make it clear? Would you burn it into our hearts? And would you allow us, Lord, to leave here different than how we came in? Lord, you have the power to change every heart and every life. And we look to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The big idea of this series of messages that we're going to be walking through. I want to put it up in front of you right now. It's this. When people come to Jesus, when they come and see Jesus, their most natural response is to bring other people to come and see Jesus. When people come and see Jesus, their most natural response is to bring other people to come and see Jesus. Here's another way of saying this. The byproduct of believing in Jesus 
is bringing people to Jesus. The byproduct, the natural outworking of believing in Jesus, and we see this in the word, and we're going to understand it more today, is the byproduct of believing is bringing. And so we're going to explore that together from, uh, from God's word. Before we do that, I want to ask you that question. I want it to be right in your mind. How did you come to Jesus? What brought you to Jesus or who brought you to Jesus? Amen. Did a friend talk to you? Did a pastor speak and you found yourself in a service? Was it a family member that had been praying for you and finally shared with you? Did you come to Jesus when you were sitting in a service and you heard a gospel invitation? Or was it with a friend? Or was it in someone's shoulder as they were leading you in a prayer? Remember how you came to Jesus. Because there's a process that normally happens. It's a process that I want us to see in God's word today. It's one that I want us to hold on to. It's one I want us to remember. There are three steps to this process. The first is proclamation. How can they know if no one has spoken to them? How could they know if no one has said it? So the first is proclamation, that someone shared, articulated the gospel. The second is invitation. So in proclamation, someone was bold enough to share. In invitation, someone cared enough to bring you. And the third step is revelation, where Jesus himself revealed himself to you. And as we look at this, we're going to see and understand this more as we unpackage John's gospel in chapter 1 as people begin to come to see Jesus. So let's look together in John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. It says this, The next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples who heard him speak, they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned to them, and seeing them following, he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard him speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Let's take a few moments in this passage of, of text and let's take a look deeper into what's going on. First, we see that there's this man named John. And this isn't John that wrote the, um, the letter that we're reading, the Gospel of John. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was because Mary's cousin, Jesus' mother, was Elizabeth. And whenever Mary found out that she would be giving birth to a son, who would ultimately be Jesus, she went and she visited with her cousin Elizabeth. And she was already pregnant at that time with John the Baptist. And whenever she was in her presence, he leapt for joy even in the womb. And they said this man would be filled with the Spirit and he would go as a forerunner, as someone to go ahead and to prepare the way for Jesus. And as John grew up, his ministry took him, his calling, his life's work took him out into the Judean wilderness, into a very desolate area. And he's out there in the wilderness and he's proclaiming a very strange message. And he's doing some strange things, you might think. He's eating locust and honey. Doesn't that sound delicious? And he's proclaiming that the kingdom is near and that someone is coming. 
and it was time for people to prepare themselves. And the way they would prepare themselves was to repent and to turn away. Repent means to turn, and they were being baptized. And that baptism was an outward sign of their repentance, of their turning away and preparing themselves for the one that was to come. John spoke so highly of him, he said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Now, in that day, when people went as, as prophets or as people that would be a mouthpiece or even as rabbis and teachers, a part of their defining mark was that they had followers. And the goal was for you to get people to follow you and to come under your teaching and to ultimately become just like you. And so many would have disciples or followers. Now, by this point in time, John had gained some followers. People were following him. You'd say, I don't know if I'd follow him. I don't like that diet. Um, but they were following him. They're walking with him. They're with him. They're repenting. They're turning. They're taken, they're taken aback by, by what he's saying, and their hearts are being moved by it. And yet, as Jesus comes, everything changes. In that time, the goal was to get people following you, <laughs> listening to your teaching. A lot hasn't changed in 2,000 years with social media that measures how many followers you have, right? The goal is to gain followers, not lose followers. And yet as John comes and sees Jesus, he makes it very clear what his mission has always been. He's not there to be the one that they're following. He's just there to prepare them, to point them to the one who they ultimately need to be following. And so as Jesus walks onto the scene, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And when he said that, they knew this is who we've been waiting for. John realized in his own life it wasn't about people following him. It was about people following the one who he came to prepare the way for. And as he saw that, his disciples quickly gravitated right towards Jesus. I mean, we have to realize, even in our own lives, is it about how many people are following you? I hope that's not the goal of your life. I hope the goal of your life is the same that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That we're always pointing forward to Jesus John was pointing forward to Jesus, and he said, go now. John was about, before he had even seen Jesus come into his public ministry, he was all about preparing so that he could bring people to Jesus. His life work was to be a bringer, to be someone that would bring people to Jesus, point them to Jesus. He was the voice crying out in the wilderness doing this, what? Preparing the way for the Lord. I believe that many of us Every one of us, we're called in that same way. You don't have to eat insects and live in the wilderness to have the same calling that John the Baptist did. Are you preparing the way and helping bring people to Jesus? Are you helping lead people towards him? Because that's the calling of each person that would follow him. And so these two disciples, and we see one of them, his name is Andrew. The other one, we don't know the name because it's not mentioned, but many believe that this is John the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. He normally never speaks of himself with his own name. He normally uses language like the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But for him to know so specifically of what happened during this time, many scholars believe this was John. It was John and Andrew. And we go on to know about John and even the revelation that the Lord gave him and the way that he lived his life. But we see Andrew when we see Andrew, my heart is just reminded of how happy I am that we have people who are just like Andrews in our lives and how God uses people like Andrew. 
Andrew isn't someone that gets up and speaks and, and shares a hundred different messages. Andrew isn't someone that is in all of the limelight or the spotlight. But Andrew is someone who sees Jesus. And when he comes to him, he's coming with the other disciple and he's saying, we want to be your follower. And when Jesus said, what are you seeking? They want to know where he's staying. When they ask him that question, where are you staying? That word that's being used there is the word for abide. If you remember the word that we shared last week, that the way that we grow in the love of God is by abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit. That the same word for abide that Jesus uses in John chapter 15 of remain in me or abide in me and I will abide in you. They're asking him this question. They're saying, Rabbi, where are you abiding? Because we want to abide with you. And as he says, come and see. They come and they experience him. They come and see that he's the one who has the power to change everything. And Andrew is there. And Andrew's life is turned upside down. Because after this moment, Andrew begins to go out. Andrew begins to go out and he begins to share this invitation with someone. He goes and look in verse 41 with me. It says, he found his brother Simon and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which when translated means rock. Church, I'm so thankful for Andrews because there's someone that you will never meet that you may never see face to face. And I look at him, and if it wasn't for him in my life, he's an Andrew. His name is Mike. Mike was someone that was quiet in school. He was well-liked. He was popular. He played all the sports. But Mike never wore a Christian shirt. He never brought his Bible to school. He never prayed in any of the classes that I could remember. He wasn't someone that would walk around passing out tracts in the hallway. In fact, when I knew, met Mike, I didn't even know that Mike went to church or that he was a follower of Jesus. Mike was never eloquent and had very articulate ways to share about his passion and love for the Lord. But as Mike and I became friends, Mike began to share with me some things. After a bit of time, about three or four months in, he said, Chris, can I talk to you about something? I said, yeah, Mike, what's up? He said, have you ever thought about what would happen after you die? I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, like, have you thought about hell and like stuff like that and God and have you ever thought about that? And I said, well, I, I try not to think about that because I, I want to think about better things than that. And he said, yeah, he said, but you know, Jesus, but, you know, he's muddling through the gospel kind of and, and I was like, okay, Mike, you know, and I'm kind of feeling a little weird, like maybe he'd been to a church service or something and, and, I, and I kind of said, okay, Mike, and, and I moved on. That step took a lot for Mike. It's his first step though, proclamation. Mike took the time to share with me he talked to me about the Lord. Let's go back to that first slide, proclamation there. The first point. He, he proclaimed, he shared because he cared enough. He was bold enough to share what he knew. And I kind of threw around a couple questions that I had and he needed to have all the answers. And we left it at that, but, but the Lord used him to speak to me. At that point in time, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in the idea. I didn't like religion. I had all kinds of negative feelings about that. And I thought I would never really find myself in a church or in a place of faith. And so that went on. A couple months later, 
Mike is talking to me again. And he said, you know what? Why don't you come with me to a camp? Why don't you come to me with a camp? There's a church camp that's happening. It's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a nice time with a bunch of people. There will be like hundreds of people there. And I said, you know what? Okay. Mike went to the next step, invitation. He invited me. He invited me to come and see. Here's what you need to know today. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. Whenever these disciples came and said, Jesus, we want to follow you, his response to them wasn't how much do you know, how much money do you make, how good are you, how great has your life been, how perfect, like he didn't ask any of those questions. The only thing Jesus says is come and see. He invites them. He invites them in. And whenever that happens and he sends them out, and they go. We see that, that Andrew goes out and he's so passionate, he's so excited about what's happened. And he said, you have to come. You have to come. He brought Peter. He brought Simon. He brings him all the way over to Jesus because he knows that I can't just tell you, I need to bring you. Mike brought me to that church camp and I went there and I knew what I was getting myself into. I said, I'm gonna be around a bunch of people singing to a God that doesn't exist and, and songs, and, you know, I was like, what am, what am I doing? But it was at that place that God saved me and changed me. And in a moment, at an altar call, I went forward and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My life has never been the same. I wouldn't be here today, church, if it wasn't for an Andrew in my life someone that isn't in the spotlight, someone that isn't out there, someone who just cared about me enough to bring me to Jesus. And I want to tell you, you will have no idea the impact of a life that is changed by Jesus. You look at me when Mike talked to me and you look at me today and you would say, they are not the same person. And the only reason that you're right is because I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not the same person. But you would look, and you'd look even now, and you'd say, are you sure you didn't lead Mike to Jesus? No, he led me to Jesus. He brought me to Jesus. He cared about me enough. There's some of you, you have relationships with people. You have no idea the impact of what God would do through their life if they simply came to Jesus. And I believe there are people in your life that God is waiting for you. The Lord is waiting for you to bring them to him. You say, but I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't. All you need to do is to share and is to bring, to invite. Put out that invitation. The final step, it's all in the hands of God at that point. Because for me, I came to that place. I came to that, that, that camp. And I came there and there was nothing Mike was going to be able to do to change my heart. It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was only through Jesus revealing himself to me. So we see this even in the passage. We see that it comes through proclamation, through it being shared, which Andrew shared, which John the Baptist shared. They proclaimed it. They proclaimed who Jesus was and people's lives were changed. They received it and they followed. It happened through an invitation where Andrew brought Peter and he was someone that brought him to Jesus and his life was changed. And it also happens through a revelation of Jesus. And let's look here as we continue on. In verse 43, it says, 
The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And as he's on his way, he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. For some of you, your story, your story is like one of those that we read about at the very beginning, like a follower of John the Baptist. You had kind of grow, grew up knowing about God and you had an idea of it. And you heard a message then. And they said, this is Jesus, and you need to follow him. And you responded to a gospel proclamation. And God met you, and your life was changed. Others of you, someone loved you enough. They cared about you enough that they wouldn't give up on you, and they brought you to Jesus. Just like Mike brought me to Jesus, just like Andrew brought Simon Peter to Jesus, they they wouldn't give up. And once they came to Jesus, their life was changed, just like mine. But then there's these other times, and you might remember it, maybe this is what happened to you, that the way you came to Jesus was the Lord revealed himself to you. There are Muslims that are all over the world right now, Jesus showing up to them in dreams. They're giving their lives to Jesus. Maybe the Lord had worked in your way in such a way that you were just crying out at, at the end of your life, at the end of your rope, you didn't know what else to do and where else to turn, and you cried out, And God met you through a series of circumstances and you accepted Jesus. It was through a revelation. Here's what I learned about these three steps. The proclamation and the invitation, that's our work. That's our responsibility. That's what we can do. Revelation, that's the Lord's work. That's what only he can do. And here's what I believe. If we're faithful to do everything we can do, he will be faithful and do everything he can do. And he'll meet them. So the Lord revealed himself to Philip, and Philip followed him. Philip's life was changed. He was excited. He was changed by that encounter. And the first thing that happens when your life has been changed, the first thing that you should think of, and I know it because it happened in my own life, who else needs to know about this? Come on, someone. That's exactly what happened in my life. I came back from that camp. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I think I gave, they gave me a Bible at the camp. I don't think I read it the whole week. I might have read a couple passages. I know I read it at one point in time because I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I was speaking in another language about two days into my Christian walk and I said, what is going on? <laughs> Did I join a cult or something? What is happening? And they brought me to Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two and they said, this is what happened to you. I said, Lord, look at how you've revealed yourself. And my faith grew even more through that experience. I got back. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I set down my book bag. And listen, this is not an exaggeration. I may have said hello to my mom. I may have given her a kiss. I sat down my book bag in my suitcase. I ran out of my house up the street to my friend's backyard where there was uh, a group of them playing basketball. The reason I remember it like it was yesterday is they were playing basketball in a backyard. Hear me. I'm not talking about in a driveway in a backyard. In a backyard on the grass. The ball wasn't bouncing. They're shooting it around. They're laughing. And I mean, I'm kind of caught off guard by it because I didn't realize someone got a basketball hoop, I guess. But the only thing I could tell them was this. Hey, I just had something happen to me at this camp. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I start speaking. I was telling them about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and all these things. And their response was what you would expect. They all started laughing at me. And it's okay to this day that I, that, that happened because I think that if anyone ran up to me, 
I might start laughing as well, and I'm your pastor. <laughs> but I can remember the way I, I, I was like, I didn't know anything, so I'm saying all kinds of weird stuff, and they're like, <laughs> you know, all right, it's your, your turn to shoot. You know, like, I just interrupt them in the middle of their game. And I thought, okay, and I went, and I left, and I went home, but I just had to tell them about it. I just had to tell them about the Lord. The same thing happens with Philip. His life has changed. Philip goes, and he's realizing, who is that person? Who is that person that needs to know? Nathaniel. Nathaniel needs to know. I want to tell you something today, that when you first came to Jesus, I believe that God may have put people in your heart and in your mind to say, who needs to know and experience what I've just experienced? And for some of you, that's how your loved ones got, came to know Jesus. For others of you, that's how your friends came to know Jesus. But I've learned something, that that passion, that driving desire, the longer you've been walking with Jesus, the chances are it can fade away. Before long, you become satisfied sitting in a pew. Before long, you're very comfortable. As long as me and my family are serving the Lord, that's fine. That's fine. It's not fine that there's a world that's dying on the other side of these doors. It's not fine that there are people every single day that are entering into eternity without the hope of Christ in their life. It's not fine that people haven't experienced what Jesus has done in you for themselves and that they're a part of your life. They're within your reach. It can't be fine. It can't be fine. Lord, convict us again. I pray that for myself. Lord, I want that burning, passionate desire again. To just say, Lord, Lord, use me. Tell someone. Share with them. Do everything you can to bring them to Jesus. That was my story. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And, and so Philip, we see it here in his life. Verse 45. And Philip found Nathan, Nathaniel and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And Philip then brings him to Jesus. I want to tell you that this is exactly how my friends responded to me, with sarcasm and laughter. This is one of the most sarcastic verses in the Bible, I believe. Philip, Nathaniel, Nathaniel's from Cana. Cana's kind of a rival town to Nazareth. These two small kind of towns, villages. And he's like, the Messiah's come, and he's come from Nazareth. Okay, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, Nathaniel's thinking in his mind of all the prophecies and all the promises. He's like, Bethlehem I could think of, but Nazareth? Like, what good's coming from Nazareth? He says, come and see. For some of you, and let me just see a show of hands, have you ever shared your faith with someone and you're met with a sarcastic answer or in some way made fun of? Yeah, let me see. How many of you were discouraged by that? I was. That happened to me. Some of you are like, no, I'm good. I'm continuing to go forward. Good. You're in God's presence, remember. But it can be discouraging when you're met with sarcasm, you're met with questions, you're met with reasoning, you're met with all those things. I want you to know something that trumps all the apologetics, all those things. You can sit there and you can argue with them till you're blue in the face. Or you can do this. Come and see for yourself. Nothing, nothing speaks like someone's experience. Especially when they've had an experience with Jesus. Whether or not they can explain it, if they've experienced it, it changes them from the inside out. And so Philip sees Nathaniel. Nathaniel sees what Philip has experienced and he comes with him. 
Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, he said, Before Philip called you, when you were sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. I've read this verse a lot of times, never spoken to me. Minister to me so powerfully as it has this week, church. Sometimes we think we're the only one that sees that person. We're the one. We're the one. We feel all the weight. We feel all the pressure. We feel all these different things. But here's what you need to know today. That even more than you wanting them to come to Jesus, Jesus wants them to come to himself. Just as much or even well, more than you love them and care for them and are burdened for them, he is as well. And more than you see them, he sees them. He sees you right where you are. He sees them. He saw Nathaniel in a moment. And when you think it's kind of cryptic when you were under the fig tree, what was he doing under the fig tree? Many times people would go there to study God's word and to pray and to spend time with the Lord. And so for him to say that, for the Lord to say that in that moment to Nathaniel, I saw you before Philip ever came to you. I saw you when you're under the fig tree. Nathaniel realized this is, this is him. He knows. Perhaps he was calling out to God under the fig tree. That's no, perhaps he was confessing his sins, whatever it was. He said, when you were in a place where no one could see you, where no one could hear you, where you were all alone, I saw you. And Nathaniel's response is astounding. He begins to praise God. He says this, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Stop right there. Verse 49. Let's put it up on the screen. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel realizes this is the one who he said, This is the one who's been promised to us. This is the one that the prophets and everyone was pointing towards. This is the Messiah, the Son of God. And he came and saw him. And I love how Jesus answers him because it might be what you're thinking. He's just under a fig tree. Like that was enough for him? Like no healed body, no person raised from the dead. You saw me under the fig tree. Jesus answered and he said this, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, Do you believe you're going to see greater things than these? He said, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter that heaven will open up and the angels of God will be ascending and descending onto the Son of Man. He said, this is just the beginning of what you'll see. And what he would go on to see would be bodies that were sick, healed. People with leprosy delivered. People that were filled with demons completely set free to walk in complete freedom. This was just the beginning. He saw him under the fig tree. He was invited to come to come and see the one who saw him. The Lord sees you right where you are, every single one of us. He sees what you're walking through. He sees the pain of your past. He sees you right where you're at. I want you to know something even further. That loved one, that person that comes to your mind right now, that Nathaniel in your life that you know you're supposed to go and call and ask and say, come and see. He sees them right where they're at. Right where they're at, I believe God is preparing their hearts even at this hour because he wants to have a relationship with them as well. He wants them to know his saving knowledge. He wants them to experience the freedom that only he can bring into their lives. That's the promise of Jesus. 
After that happened for me, I continued to share my faith with my friends. I continued to talk about Jesus, and it didn't, it didn't work. The proclamation didn't work at all. I tried to invite them. They didn't really accept many of my invitations. And then one day, my friend Sean, who was my next-door neighbor, he's talking to me. At this point in time, I'm kind of fatigued by, by the way he had been making fun of me and the things he had said, and he had thrown a Bible at me one time, so I was kind of done with Sean. Um, he wore a Christian around a shirt around our school that said Christians go home, and him and I would ride the bus together. I'm a Christian. He had a shirt that said Christians go home on it. So, Sean, let me paint this story because the nine the nine a.m. crowd thought I was mean because I didn't want. So I had to fill in some more context here for you. But Sean comes to me one day and he says, "Hey, I, I want to go to your church with you tonight." And my response to him at this point isn't what it should be. It was, "Why? <laughs> why? Why do you want to go to church with me? Are you going to wear your shirt? Like, what what are you doing?" And he said, well, because I want to go. And I'm like, well, are you going to, like, make a scene? Are you going to make fun of me in front of all my church friends now? No, I just want to go. I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. So we go to the church, and there, it's a fine arts night. So there's different skits and dramas and things going on. And uh, he's watching, and I'm watching, and, you know, it goes fine. So we leave. And, and he said, you know, they, they mentioned there's that convention coming up in a, in, a, in a month or two. I think I want to go to it. Right, why? <laughs> like, what, what's your angle here? I just want to, I want to go. I'm like, okay, we go to the convention. The night that I was saved at that church camp, if you remember, he's been here to speak. Greg Hubbard was speaking, and I gave my life to Jesus. That convention, Greg Hubbard was speaking. On the second night of the convention, Sean gets up out of his seat. He walks down, and he gives his life to Jesus Christ at an altar call. And today, right now, as I'm talking, Sean's standing in front of a congregation in Virginia, closing out a service right now as a pastor right there. God's using him in ministry. That was like the opposite of what I'm encouraging you to do. (laughs) I was literally putting up walls, but God had a plan for Sean. His heart was more ready than I ever knew. When Sean and I got home, we went to each one of those friends. Everyone I played basketball with in that yard, within six months, every one of them came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everyone. I had a part of my wall in my basement that I just started writing their names in the date that they gave their life to Jesus. And I would just write it with a pen on my wall. We had six names on that wall of people that just came to know Jesus. Their lives were changed forever because we brought them to Jesus. I want to ask you, are there people in your life today that need to come to Jesus, that need to come and see who he is? Because if you believe in him and you believe he's changed your life, that believing should have a byproduct, and that byproduct should be bringing. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Because when you've come to see Jesus, the natural outflowing is for you to bring others to come to see him. Are you following me, church? So today as the worship team comes, I have some homework for you. You got homework, come on. You got homework. I'm calling this the come and see three that I want you this week, I want you even today to allow the Lord to reveal to you three people that are in your life that need to come and see Jesus, that you need to bring to Jesus. They may be people that you've talked to for a long time. They may be individuals that have turned you away. They may be people that are so far from God at this hour that you never, ever, ever would believe that they could ever come. Maybe it's like my situation. Maybe there's someone that you would literally be embarrassed. You'd be nervous if they ever walked into a church. 
Jesus sees them right where they're at right now. And the powerful part of this story is that it's a story that continues to show what happens when you bring people to Jesus. How many of those people came to Jesus because someone else brought them? I would not be here today if it wasn't for someone bringing me to Jesus. Can we look 10 years from today and someone will look and stand in front of maybe a crowd of people. They'll stand somewhere and they'll be able to say, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you bringing them to Jesus. I'm believing in this season that God is going to use us, church. Each of us, if we identified, here it is, in, the, in, this, in this size room, if each of us have identified three people that God has put in your life that you know need to come and see Jesus, and if we would be faithful to do everything we can do through proclamation, through invitation, hear me, if we would do everything we could do, and if God then would do everything he could do, because I believe if we do our part, he'll do his part to reveal himself to them. In a room, just this room, if that happened over this next season, that would be over 1,800 people coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it just got real. Like, wait, pastor, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm serious because that's the power of three lives being impacted by your life. And when that happens, together with all of us, 1,800 people, pastor, that sounds impossible. Nothing's impossible for God. If we do our part, he will do his part. Lives can be changed. All I'm asking is, will you do your part? The rest of it is in God's hands, right? Over 1,800 people. In last service, it would have been over 1,000 people. If this happened, 3,000 people could give their lives to Jesus someday and be following him. And all I can tell you, as someone that was there that says, thank God someone brought me to Jesus, who is he calling you to bring to Jesus? So here's what I'm asking. Here's your homework. I just need you to identify three names. Three individuals. What do I need to say to them? You don't need to say anything to them yet. All you need to do is allow the Lord to give those three names to you. And the Lord doesn't need to speak it from heaven. He doesn't need to send it down on a dove from the skies. Who is he put in your heart right now? Who is he put in your life? And I want you to write those three names down somewhere. And I want you to come next week ready with those three names in your hand, in your heart knowing who they are. And then I want you this week, every single day, to pray for them by name. Pray that the Lord reveals himself to them. Pray that the Lord meets them. Pray that the Lord opens their hearts. That's all I'm asking you to do today. Can you do that, church? I need to hear you. I only heard two people. Can you do that today? We do our part. The Lord will do his. I'm believing over this season God is up to something big. And so ask him, Lord, who are those three? Maybe there's only one person that's coming to your mind right now. Then pray and let your prayer be around, Lord, who are the others? Write down that list and begin to pray for them every day. Do I have your commitment, church, that you'll do this? Just identify three people in your life that you know need to come and see Jesus who are far from him today. Oh, don't miss next week. Got us some big in store for next week. Don't miss next week. All you need to do, identify them and pray for them. So here's the final step here today. If you're here, and as I'm talking, you'd say, you know what, you're, 
You're describing my life. When I ask the question, who needs to come to see Jesus? No one else needs to come to see him because I still need to come to see him. You know today, as you're listening to me, your heart isn't in the right place with God. You feel far from him. Well, why are you smiling, Pastor? Because I don't feel so great right now. I'm smiling because God has been using whatever series of events that have led you to sit in this service today because the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reveal himself to you. And we get so excited because God has done that for so many of us. And we love to see nothing more than people walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, today if you've heard everything that I've said, and even with every eye open and every head up, and that's all right here, you would just say, you know what, it's today's the day. I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm not going to make it really easy, I'm not going to try to make it really private because faith is a very public thing. And defining moments call for decisive actions. But I'm just going to put it out in a room this size. Is there anyone that you've heard and you say, you know, Pastor, it's me. I need to come to see Jesus today. I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or I've been very far from God and I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ. If that is you, would you be as bold right now in this moment? Your heart might be racing. But take this moment right now to be bold, to be brave in God's presence. It'll change your life. Pastor, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, lift your hand right above your head, right where you're at. If that's you, right there. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Ushers, if a few of you would be able to just bring something. We have just a book right here that we're going to get into your hands. One of our altar workers, someone will be there. Just let me celebrate with you again. Praise God right there in that aisle. If there's anyone else, just leave your hand up for just a moment. Let someone get to you. Thank you so much, Pete. If you'll just bring those down to them. And they'll give you something there. We want to connect with you. We want to walk with you. We want to pray with you right now. In fact, let's bow our heads and let's bow our hearts. We're going to say this prayer. And if you rose your hand today or if you didn't have the, the, the boldness to do that, but you know your heart isn't right with God right now, pray these prayers. Breathe words. Lord Jesus, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now and forgive me of my sins that separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again. And today I'm ready to follow you. Lead and guide my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate what God's doing, church? Praise God. Would you stand with me today? Our altar workers are going to be here in the front. They're here to pray with you. They're here to meet with you. If you have something going, you're walking through, something that's going on in your body or in your life, we want to stand in prayer with you. The worship team's going to sing a closing song. But here's what I want to do as well. You can come forward any, at any time and just spend time in God's presence. If you accepted Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave this sanctuary without connecting with someone. Come up here and pray with someone. Talk to one of our ushers in the back. They'll pray with you. We want to connect with you. We want to help you walk this journey. God bless you. Lord Jesus, reveal those names to us, Lord God, of those that you have put on our heart, in our path, that they would come and see you this season. Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Go with us now. Make us those that bring people to Jesus. In your name, amen.